Hello, and welcome to the Jubitate Podcast. Your home for underreported topics of the day. Traversing the world, searching for sanity. Welcome to the Dubitate Podcast. I'd like to introduce our guest, David Matheson, the founder of Chief Digital Officer Club, or CDO Club for short. Welcome, David. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Well, tell us what CDO Club is. Yeah, CDO Club is the world's largest organization for chief digital, chief data, and chief analytics officers. The bigger you know, categories would be anyone involved in leading digital transformation, data-driven culture, or cybersecurity at their organization. Oh, great. Now, you've been around since 2011, and I, and I love your quote from a 2019 article in uh, B2B News Network. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. If I had listened to Forrester back in 2010, I would never have started the company. And I think you go on to say, they said it should be CMOs doing this role. Why would you ever hire a CDO? It's every, it's very easy to have an opinion. What's hard is doing hard research. So what hard, you, you remember that quote, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I battled Forrester quite a, for quite a while in the early days. So what hard research did you encounter that solidified your belief in the CDO role? Well, you know, when you dig deep into any sector and you really start looking at it, you have to scratch your head. And I had a scratch my head moment, May 2011, I guess you're right. It was, um, I had been hired to uh, run the um, digital media practice for a boutique executive search firm in New York City. And I just happened to notice that chief digital and chief data officer hires were going through the roof. And this should have been, you know, 2011, this should have been big news to executive recruiters because there's a load low supply and a tremendous demand for talent and seasoned executives. So they get naturally uh, supply and demand being what they were, they were getting insane salaries. And it's since executive recruiters get 30% of the first year cash comp of a placement, <laughs> you would think, you know, it's a $500,000 year salary. That's $150,000 fee to the search firm. Now you got 10 searches a year, that's a million dollar practice. And you got 10 or 20 search professionals. That's nothing to sneeze at. So the other big group that wasn't paying attention to this trend uh, were the analysts. You know, you really didn't see um, Forrester or McKinsey or others covering it. And certainly Forrester was antagonistic to the whole concept of a CDO from the beginning. There were really only a couple of, you know, analysts there who were down on the trend. But to me, you asked, you know, what research did I see? Well, I looked at the numbers, you know, I just did Google alerts and, you know, and LinkedIn hires and scoured Twitter for any notification of a, a new chief digital or chief data officer being hired somewhere in the world. And I'm looking at these stats, Sanjeev, and I'm saying, wow, how come no one's paying attention to this? And so then to have Forrester, which has thousands of employees come out, you know, with these articles, and one of them would, with the headline would be, for example, if you're thinking of hiring a chief digital officer, don't, you know, with exclamation points. And I was like, come on. They thought it was going to be short-lived. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they also thought that the CMO would take over those responsibilities. And quite frankly, I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't seeing the career path of CMOs going the CDO route, you still don't see it today. Now you do see hybrid titles in marketing driven organizations. You see people with titles like chief digital and marketing officer. Uh, and in tech sector, you see chief digital and information officer, and there's all kinds of hybrid titles. But to come out with blanket statements like that and pretend that you're actually doing the research when you've got thousands of analysts was really irritating to me. And there came a point in time where, you know, journalists used to send me articles to say, Dave, do you want to comment on this Forrester report? Finally, I was so sick of it. I, I just, you know, that old image of the, 
the Dutch boy, the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dikes on. Sure. And the little crack just, just getting bigger you. and bigger. So I basically, <laughs> I took that image and I sent it to any journalist who asked me to comment on a Forrester report. And I, I put the name of the analyst from Forrester as the little Dutch boy holding the dike back. And the water, of course, I labeled CDOs. You know, there's no way Forrester, despite putting out all this FUD, could stop the fact that these CDOs were being hired globally. And it was just a joke. So, I mean, that's what you get from subscription-based research firms, though, right? The CMOs go to Forrester. They want uh, to be able to get a report that they can give to their CEO to get approval for budgets. You know, we know what it's about. Uh, but, oh, uh, I've had my battles you know, with Gartner in the past, too. Yeah, I, I know that that area. Yeah. So I don't mean to be demeaning, but at the yeah. same time, you know, you, you they basically have dismissed an entire segment of the population that has now gone on to be CEOs and board directors of some big publicly traded companies. So, you know, ignore these titles at your peril. Right now, the real demand in the world is for people who have experience in digital data, analytics, and cybersecurity, you know, full stop. So let me, let me ask you about that. Do you think that that um, willingness to make those kinds of calls to say, hey, you know, uh, this is going nowhere was potentially the result of what happened in 2001, 2002 in that bubble. And then folks wanting to get out ahead and being, you know, announcing everything is basically a bubble. That to some degree, and also that glut of uh, MarTech landscape that we saw, you know, four or five years back that imploded, right? Where there were just so many vendors and platforms and services on the market. And there was a lot of MA, of course, Oracle buying up lots of folks and others, you know, uh, Salesforce gobbling up people as well. Uh, it's kind of realigned it now. But in those early days, you had this title that emerged. But I think it was, in my opinion, different than CDOs because it was a quote-unquote forced title, the chief marketing technology officer or the chief marketing technologist. Again, trying to make sure that the marketing people remain relevant by either retaining or grabbing uh, responsibilities for data and analytics. And we know the most companies, their marketing department, is reliant on data and analytics. And the whole beauty of what's happened recently is they don't need to go to IT to get reports made, right? They could just slap a credit card into Salesforce and get the reports they need. So, you know, this data on demand is, is really cutting out the middleman. So I think it's been really a power grab among the C-suite, marketing, IT, and digital. You know, where does digital transformation sit? Where does data sit and analytics? Because that's going to have a bigger budget and a bigger headcount. You don't want to be a data guy and have to report into, you know, the marketing team or the CIO. But that's why we always encourage our chief digital officers to get that direct report to the president, get a dedicated headcount, and make sure you've got a, a budget to, to be able to achieve your goals. Now, was that, would you say that that's been the biggest challenge? Is that vision? It's almost always culture change, you know. It's changing the culture. And, you know, we see a lot of successful programs when it's a CEO succession program, when they're hiring on the CEO, knowing that if, you know, they drag this, if it's an analog company into digital, or if it's an already digital company that relies on a supply chain and needs to maximize efficiencies there, you know, whatever it is that is the core strength of that company, you're usually seeing CDOs now being hired as a CEO succession plan. Who, who are some of the CDOs today that you think are doing notable work? Anyone come to top of mind? Yeah, you know, the, the big heroes right now are the ones that are doing all that hard work related to COVID, finding a vaccine, getting a cure, tracking, you know, identity. Um, the, the folks that I would point to are the ones that, um, you know, Centers for Disease Control, uh, National Institutes of Health, um, you know, 
uh, folks that are in government organizations relying on data to make sure that when they reopen their economies, you know, we're able to track uh, uh, folks. So that that's that sort of um, the people that I have a soft spot in my heart for the ones who are going to government service because, you know, they could get much better salaries out in the, the public companies and even the uh, startups, but they, they, they dedicate themselves. But on the, on the private side for, you know, some of the companies out there, we actually, um, for any listeners who want to go, if you go to cdoclub.com and there's a link up at the top of the page to our Hall of Fame, it says CDO of the Year as one of our banner items. There's a pull down there that says Hall of Fame. And those are the people I really admire. These basically are all of the chief digital and data officers over the last 10 years who've become a CEO, president, or board director of a publicly traded company. And I have to say, the last quarter was unbelievable. It broke all of our records you know, since I've been tracking it from a number of fronts. Number one, 13 CDOs became board directors of publicly traded companies in the quarter. That's more than twice all of last year total. And the other good news about that was nine of the 13 placements were women, you know? So just love that. Yeah. So people in there, you know, are some of the cream of the crop, you know? And by, and by the way, the pandemic has forced all these people to perform Herculean tasks in really short periods of time. And so while, you know, a lot of people, I feel sorry, a lot of people are unemployed, but it's like we've been doing double time for the last six months. Uh, I, I think I had seen a quote that said two years of um, uh, uh, technological advancement was compressed into two months. So a lot of people have been on the forefront of that. And it seems like you've witnessed uh, CDOs in action there. Yeah. Um, uh, Satya Nadella at Microsoft said that, and certainly it's we're seeing that firsthand. And uh, and then, of course, there's the other sectors that are having trouble. And you would think, well, you know, are there still CDOs in retail? You, you asked that question about, you know, Forrester way back. The, the, an interesting anecdote there, too, Sanjeev, is the uh, computer world asked me five years ago in 2015, you know, will there be a need for CDOs in 2020? And I was like, man, we're just getting started. Are you kidding? So then fast forward five years. And in January of this month, uh, chief digital officers were hired at Microsoft. Panera, Sainsbury's in the UK, Cognizant, you know, my, uh, uh, McDonald's, you know, just major hires. It, it's not like it slowed down. It, it just it just grew. And that that quote from Satya is is right on. You know, um, all that stuff that may have been on the back burner for the digital roadmap or your blueprint for the year or the next couple of years just came full center. And forget you know perfection, right? Security, yes, but perfection, no. Just get it done. There was one woman who. Uh, I asked her if she could join me on a webinar, a CDO. I can't say the name of the company. But she said uh, she didn't get back to me for a week. I was like, that's unusual. And at the end of the week, she said, sorry, I, I've been busy. I had to take 80,000 employees out of a New York office and, and get them to work from home in a week, you know, two weeks. So that's the kind of stuff that these people are called on to do right now. It's, it's uh, heroic. And uh, I mean, I, I use that word. I, I think her Herculean is probably a better word for it. Um, there are other heroes in, in this pandemic, and I don't want to Kind of conflate the two, but uh, I, I've witnessed some really, really amazing things happen. Um, and one of the things I get from this conversation is that recruiters seem to be on the front line of of these trends. You spotted it way back then, uh, as a result of the revenue potential of the of the trend. Um, are you seeing anything the likes of CDO uh, uh, recently? Uh, the likes of a title like this coming up so quickly and widely deployed, or I work in the field of analytics and uh, insight. And so 
I, I know that analytics played a huge role. Everybody became a graph, you know, uh, jockey and uh, was looking at flattening trends and all kinds of different things. So I, I was bemused by that a bit because that's the world I live in. Uh, anything else like that you think in the post-pandemic uh, world that, that's uh, emerging? Identity and security. You know, if it's all about tracking now and, and things like that and cases, I mean, um, I think identity management, while it was a huge issue in the past, may have been a little uh, geeky, is now going to become more widespread. And I think people are a lot more willing to give up their privacy uh, to stay healthy. And I wouldn't say stay secure, but I would say stay healthy. Okay. For um, our listeners, I would say pay attention to that because I, I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to what recruiters say. That's what I've learned. Yeah. And recruiters too, their whole, you know, just a brief summary of the, that space, right? If you remember back when I was in there in 2010, 2011, the recruiting world bundled all kinds of stuff under the big acronym of EMT, right? It was entertainment, media, and technology. What a broad brush for a category, sure. entertainment, media, and technology. It's like, come on, they, that means the IT people were in there, the data people were in there. They didn't, none of these recruiters, and by the way, none of it, none of the uh, analysts except for Gartner, because I know Dave Aaron, he was the first person I called when I started the CDO club. And man, he pushed it. CDOs, chief digital, chief data, CISOs, chief information security officer. You know, Gartner was all over this from the very beginning. Because unlike Forrester, look, they knew, Gartner knew that their IT guys, all of their hardware is being outsourced to the cloud, all of their data was being outsourced to India. Like what's left for the IT guy, right? What's left for the CIO? You've got to grab on to digital transformation. You've got to grab the responsibilities for data and analytics. Otherwise, you're irrelevant in a couple of years. So Gartner got that. But back in that day, you know, there, there was really no dedicated practice. I always saw data and analytics as a service platform to the whole organization. And it shouldn't be bundled under EMT that Forrester and recruiters should have a dedicated practice. And now they all do. So that's, to me, was the big trend, you know, is that, now almost every recruiter has somebody who specializes in digital, another person who did, specializes in data. Because you know, you get a recruiter who doesn't even know the right questions to ask somebody like you, Sanj. You're so far ahead of them on analytics. Like, what recruiter is going to be able to interview you, you know, and actually come out knowing that you're a quality candidate? They really have to be versed in it. So it, it was no surprise to me that those practice areas evolved. So moving that forward from here, right? You're, you're asking what's next. I would argue that your field is probably the one, yours and security and identity are probably the ones that are going to be the hottest, you know, areas because digital transformation is limited to incumbents, the folks facing disruption. Data, on the other hand, chief data officers are just about everywhere. But yeah. it's the analytics that's the real value. We talked about the MIS department being outsourced. You know, the CIO title came out of that morass of the MIS in the 80s because value was assigned to computing power. Then it evolved become data is the strategic value of the company. Now I'd argue it's not even the data, it's people like you. It's the real-time insights and analytics on that data that matter. And that's why you're seeing the increase in people with the title of chief analytics officer. Right, because so it's just the deluge of information. We're collecting the, the amount of information coming in is just absolutely incredible. And so even, as you say, the data itself, it's just sitting there. It's who can go and find the nuggets that's really meaningful Right. And, yeah, and 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 then be able to and and then have that other side of the brain, you know, consumer psychology, behavioral psychology, not just be a numbers cruncher, but then be able to tell that. That's what the C-suite should be able to do: is take those numbers and bundle up into a story that people can understand and act on. And that that's different than just a core number cruncher. We see a lot of chief data scientists who would never become chief data officers 
because they don't have the EQ. They definitely got the IQ, right? Now, you, you run a successful annual conference. Now, did that get postponed like everything else in the first half of 2020? Yeah, you know, we started as a community first. And, you know, thankfully, we've always had our base of, of CDO members. And we only started doing events two years after the club, 2013. And so for us, we were very lucky, Sanj, in that we didn't overextend in Q1 and Q2. We didn't have any events planned until May. So when this hit, there were two things that happened for us. One was, okay, great. So we just, instead of marketing the events, we just start marketing club again, you know, and join as a member. And, um, you know, we've had really good traction. And now, if you my feeling about communities is if you treat the members well, sponsors will come. But if you focus on sponsors, everything gets messed up. <laughs> so, you know, we focused on the community. And now here we are. We, we did the biggest deals of our eight-year history in the last six months. We did an idea with IBC. Uh, we did a deal with IBM. We did a, just did a, a webinar for IBM IX and Forrester, believe it or not. And, um, you know, we got some big news coming up, too. Um, so for not only busy for our members, but, you know, we've seen, I hate to say, the best activity during a pandemic, but at the same time, you know, these people are kind of like the emergency responders of the, the data world, you know, they're being called on now to act. So no apologies. Right? Yeah. Do you want to, uh, are you at liberty to share some information about this uh, new arrangement with IBM? I, I, yeah, I, I saw some announcements. Yeah, please talk about that. Well, actually, the, the amazing timing is that we um, are doing our first pre-record of the, of the series tomorrow. It's essentially a, um, uh, a monthly uh, uh, six installments, one a month from June to November. And it's basically bringing together CDOs, CAOs, and even chief technology officers, officers to really address uh, the, the issues of these extraordinary times. And, and tomorrow, we're doing a pre-record of the very first one in the series. I see it as the series is kind of key-shaped, just like our community. We're going to go really wide. And then uh, in future episodes, we're going to go really deep, you know, into AI or data or even uh, certain sectors like financial services. But um, first episode, we'll have the first ever time together where we're bringing together the three CDOs of the year, uh, Anthony Scrifignano from Dun, excuse me, Dun & Bradstreet, Linda Avery from Verizon, and Inderpal Bandari from IBM. We're going to pull them on a call together and really go over CDOs and how they're leading their companies in turbulent times. I'll, I will definitely be registering and paying attention to that. Congratulations on that. Uh, now, we, we, had a, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago, a rabbi from the largest uh, conservative congregation in the Pacific Northwest, and he spoke about society's ability to deal with, um, you know, the acute, which is the, the crisis of the moment and our ability to meet it head on for a limited period of time, and then the chronic, which is what happens once the acute subsides, right? And as a society, we're opening up now. And here where we live, five areas of New York State are entering phase three starting tomorrow. One of the things we've been focused on in previous podcasts is what are the things that will change permanently as a result of our experience with this pandemic? So I'd like to ask you, what are hmm. some of the macro trends that you might see in the world in general? Forget about a CDO or technology or anything else. Is there anything that you feel in terms of behavior that uh, that you can spot? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, we had a very successful piece of our business, which was physical events. And we were doing at the point where we had one a month. Uh, we were running from Tel Aviv to Tokyo to Istanbul and Washington, D.C. That's all gone. And um, you can look to anyone can uh, 
can look to the governor or to the mayor, and to the president, and uh, say, okay, the curfew is lifted. But that doesn't mean that the psychological behavior is going to change, right? So even with events, you know, I'll give it, answer the broader question, but for us specifically, you know, I have no intention, I, I do not see, uh, I cannot envision a future where we'll be doing physical events anytime soon. That's 2020, 2021. I, I think this is a, a one, two-year downturn, and, you know, we want to behave appropriately. But more important, I think it's really important that just like every other CDO on the planet, we as a company, we were forced to digitize too. It doesn't hurt me to move from physical events to doing webinars. As a matter of fact, it plays right into our strengths. And maybe the revenues aren't as high, but the expenses are significantly lower. So if it's just a matter of a lifestyle adjustment, you know, we'll have to take it. But, you know, I've planned financially to make sure that we're covered with no new revenues for at least 12 to 18 months. Because I, I got a bad feeling about this with the second wave about to uh, to open up. It gets me a little bit nervous. But um, the bigger picture, you know, I gave a presentation on this uh, both in the U.S. and just recently in, in Tokyo. You know, the, 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 this, this, even the sectors that are being hit hard uh, for chief data officers and chief digital, it's been really interesting in that, um, you know, you'd think, well, retail, would they really need chief digital officers now? You know, they're firing everybody. Gap hasn't paid, you know, rent in months. But in fact, Bed Bath & Beyond and Macy's just hired chief digital officers in the month of May. And it's obvious to everybody. It's because maybe you're going to get you cut P&E expenses, you know, you're going to cut uh, innovation and and and, uh, and your you know labs and things like that R and D, but they're going to the people who are involved in e-commerce and you know uh, shopping carts and and data analysis and digital transformation. So uh, one anecdote that really sums all that up very succinctly is, I usually get a dozen or two dozen emails or LinkedIn requests from people looking for jobs. Right, I mean. It's a good number, and either people looking for jobs or CHROs looking to hire candidates from our community. I haven't, I've, maybe I've received one, and it would, believe it or not, it was from the guy who left Bed Bath and Beyond. Or, you know, That's and I was remarkable. Back in February. Yeah, like it's been six months and nobody's looking for a job. I'm like, I would have thought with 40 million unemployed, like everybody would be looking for a job, but it just goes to show again, they're fully engaged and they're being, you know, required to do all kinds of in incredible things really quickly. So the demand hasn't dried up, it's only increased. And I've got to imagine that long term, um, you know, healthcare uh, is going to be one of those areas where, you know, talk about technology and uh, analytics and, uh, you know, the the CDO role, but there there are bound to be um, uh, huge shortages in healthcare as we uh, ramp up our capabilities, because uh, this virus has uh, demonstrated that we were woefully short, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, David, um, it, it, you were ahead of the game. <laughs> Looks like your CDO club is uh, very busy, and um, there's some exciting things that are just on the horizon here. So I'm ecstatic for uh, you know your continued success, and um, I'm very grateful that you took the time to join us today. Uh, we you know we get some glimpses into how organizations and people are reacting, coping, and perhaps in some cases strengthening themselves in the crucible of this pandemic. And it's quite interesting to our listeners to hear the stories. So thank you so much for sharing yours with us today. My pleasure, Shanjeev. Best of luck with everything. It's great to catch up again. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Please visit jubitate.com for links and source material for this podcast. We welcome listener feedback and ideas for future shows.
If you are a podcast host and would like to be cross-linked to your podcast, please email info at jubitate.com. Until next time, when we once again traverse the world, searching for sanity.